You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question. Would love you to one day help us understand what happens to those who denounce their faith and walk away like Joshua Harris and now sadly, Marty Sampson. So dad, we see all the time these incredible Christian evangelical leaders, pastors, authors, whatever, that all of a sudden say, skrr, the record screeches, and <laughs> never mind, I'm taking it all back. I've, I'm no longer a follower of Christ, and I think it's all a sham. What, what happened? <laughs> well, number one, it's a heartbreak. Number one, it's just, it's um, sad at a hundred levels. Let's, let's look, essentially, let's do the A and B here. You've got two choices. Either they never trusted Christ or they trusted Christ and they're off in deep sin. Yeah. Now, I've got friends uh, uh, who would take me to task on the latter statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I contend that a person can be a believer in Christ and live in sin. Mm-hmm. And let's look at a few passages to uh, sort of explain this. Let's talk about this individual named Demas who shows up a few times in the New Testament and very, very quick in passing. In the letter to Philemon, the last two verses reference, uh, Paul says, let me read verse 22 and following at the same time, prepare for me a lodging for I hope that through your prayers, I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ greets you as does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers, fellow workers becomes the signature of Paul, soon Aragon, those who worked with him in the flesh. Demas, who's this Demas guy? We also find him in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Again, this is a list of fellow workers, those who worked alongside Paul. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, sends his greeting and also Demas. So this is a, a disciple of Paul's who's with him in some of these uh, Pauline letters and some experiences. But then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, we read this tragic verse. Um, Paul writing the younger Timothy at late in Paul's life. Uh, let me read verse 9. Make every effort to come to me soon for Demas having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We don't know a lot about it, but he is an interesting character that I think invites, uh, not over-interpretation, but he was certainly with the disciples. He's with Paul. He's with Luke. Luke, of course, is with Paul for most of his travels. When when Paul is incarcerated in house arrest, Luke is able to visit him as his physician, as his friend, mm-hmm. and Demas would be part of this entourage. Um, this little chilling phrase, he deserted me. He loved this present world. So there was something in the world that pulled him away from being a follower of Jesus. So let's go back to the A or B. Uh, Maybe a person, uh, certainly a person can have walked the aisle, prayed the prayer, said the right things, but never truly came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sure. And in that case, we we roll up our prayer sleeves and say, we pray for these people. Um, the damage they do to the gospel is is very hard. Yeah. Um, and maybe they are men and women of faith who have chosen a life of sinfulness. Mm-hmm. And it is very easy in Western Christianity to live a life of sin 
and call yourself a Christian. Mm -hmm. There's very little accountability. There's very little uh, call to truth. There's so much uh, uh, acceptance and tolerance and diversity and all this language becomes kind of amalgamated. Well, you you know, I mean, you got to let them live. I mean, who, who cares if they live in sin? Well, God cares. The sin, uh, sin is a, a critical issue. It's life and death. So I, I do think a believer can choose to live in sin. Uh, Paul prays for the destruction of a man who's committing an unspeakable immorality. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, he asks that God will kill him to save his soul, but to de- destroy his flesh because he's living in sin. Wow. A prayer I would not pray uh, readily, um, but Paul felt it was appropriate at that time. So either they are a believer and they're living in sin or they never came to Christ. I don't think there's another way to explain it. To say that someone's a believer and living in sin, for someone to specifically denounce Christ and Christianity and say, I do not believe this anymore. I mean, wouldn't you say that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit? I would say that they probably never came to Christ, but I can't say that categorically. Oh, we don't know. Um, they could be so confused by their sin and blinded that the scripture talks about being calloused in our mm-hmm. sin that, uh, you know, they're saying things that are, you know, quote, true for the moment, close right. quote. Um, and indeed, they could. This is why it's so complicated when it comes to calling, you know, who's a believer and who isn't a believer. And what church you go to, what denomination you align with. Um, it's a very tenuous job. And I think we can be very uh, pharisaical yeah. in calling people Christians. Now, uh, it digresses way down the line, but the, you know, sometimes we'll, you'll know them by their fruit. I think that's a very misconstrued passage. That that fruit is talking about false teachers. Mm-hmm. It's also talking about the, the believer's good works. Mm-hmm. That we're, we were created in him uh, for good works, Ephesians 2.10. Uh, not works for salvation, but that we, we should walk in these good things God has given us to do. And so, I mean, it's a dicey thing. I, I do think, Hannah, our Western culture is so accommodating mm. and so conflict-averse that we just don't want to say, well, you know, they're not a Christian or they're living in sin or any combination thereof. But Scripture seems to uh, be clear enough with Demas, with Paul praying for a person's destruction of their flesh so they don't continue to live in sin. Why, why would he pray for a non-believer mm-hmm. to be killed? Uh, he'd pray right. for their salvation. Right. Um, so, so to me, I mean, it's a loaded question. It's heartbreaking. And it's not only heartbreaking for the individual, uh, the two that the, the, the Jennifer names, uh, but it's, to me, more heartbreaking for the people they influenced. Yeah. Because when those people choose to say those things, to go online, to renounce, to denounce, then their, quote, former followers. They're giving permission for others absolutely, to do the same. Absolutely. And, yeah. and it creates heartbreak in the in the household of God. So um, not to sound trite or cliche or, you know, read a book or you know, pray a prayer, but we need to pray for not only these men and women, but we need to pray for the local church that she is bold and, and truthful and careful to teach people what it means to walk in a faithful life. Mm-hmm. You know, when you become a Christian, it's not that you don't get to do certain things you used to do. It's that you get to live a life you could never have lived. Mm. 
And so many of these men and women who are pulled, uh, whether a lot of it has to do with sexuality, homosexuality, LGBTQ stuff, a lot of it has to do with social gospel, a lot of it has to do with important issues for the culture. But when it comes to your eternal soul, mm-hmm. are you willing to say, I want to live a certain way because this is how I was made, what I want to do, uh, the way of Demas, the way of the world over against a life that is eternal, that Christ is offering you? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's insane. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when people say things to me, uh, and you, you as well in small groups, I can never believe in a God who? Yep. Fill in a blank. Yep. And uh, some of these folks are saying things like that. What you've just said is I've made God in my own image. Right. I'm not willing to align myself to the God of the scriptures. I'm not willing to align myself to Jesus Christ. I could never love or worship a God who you've Does just made God in your own image. Yeah. That's a dangerous thing to say. Yeah. And so it's heartbreaking. And you know, we want to do something about it. Yeah. But we can't. We 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 love. We want to be kind, but we also want to be truth tellers. And for the aforementioned people to say some things they have said is is wrong. It's sin. It's heresy. I don't know if they're saved or not. I'm not going to stand in the dock and say they are saved because of their former good works, uh, their former thing. It yeah. could just have been altruistic, good people, right? And believe something. But it's a quandary we will live with until the end of time. Either they are saved and are living in sin, or they never embraced the gospel of Christ. Yeah, that's hard. And I think, I mean, I want to get so caught up in were they saved, were they not saved, and how do you figure it out? And then I, I kind of sense that, you know what, Hannah, it's more important that you are thinking about your own soul and your own sin and and, and, use about. A, and use the opportunity, the people around us, your small groups, your friends to talk about these things, not to gossip about these people that are, you know, saying crazy things and posting stuff. I, mean, I have pastor friends that have gone nuts. <laughs> I mean, they've gone nuts. And it's so easy to, uh, you know, pile on. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, you go, Lord, you love them as much as you love me. Yep. Um, even a heretic, he loves them. Yep. Now, there's consequences to their choices, right. and if they don't repent, if they don't come to a saving knowledge, if they're believers living in sin, then they're to repent. Yeah. If they never come to Christ, then the first step is they need to embrace the person work of Jesus. I mean, the, the, the crazy part of the gospel to me is, unlike any world religion, uh, you're doing you know, the five pillars of Islam, whatever it is, uh, the Armenian viewpoint of what you have to do to be saved and ensure your salvation, those who don't hold to eternal security. All those arguments to me are fascinating when the gospel is free and paid for by the most expensive gift ever given to man, the person and work of Jesus Christ, the most lavish sacrifice ever made on any altar, the crucifix of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ, and yet... We shake our fist, we divine our own systems, we develop our own systems, and if you do this, maybe you'll go to heaven, live like me, and maybe you have a chance. Let me do whatever I want to do. Don't judge me. I mean, talk about unbridled sin. Mm. And here the offer stands on the cross. Uh, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And it's so simple. It's so clear. And yet our arrogance keeps us from the gospel, and it's sad. And um, so, you know, back back to the local church, back to the small group, can you have the conversation? Can you open that door and say, I don't want to gossip about these people or pile on these pastor friends of mine that have gone nuts, but goodness gracious, how do we keep from that? And how are we clear on why we believe what we believe? 
If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694, or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain, and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.